hi, and welcome back to another week of Trashy Divorces. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven, seventh episode. My name is Stacy. I'm Alicia. And I am sitting here drinking wine out of a glass that I purchased at the Hampton Court Palace outside of London, England, that says, drink like a queen on it. That was Henry VIII's uh, summer palace. Like, you know more about this than I do. Hampton Court was actually... Was uh, it his main palace? I don't know. It got taken over. It was actually Woolsey's palace. And then Woolsey got axed because he couldn't give the... Well, because he worked for Henry VIII. That's a lot like working for the Trump administration, except people actually ended up dead. Yes. So we record this intro after we've recorded the episodes. We do. Which is why Stacey has gone to a very sad glass of wine. My God, these are... (laughs) Our theme this week is royals, and the stories we have for and we're you. We're so glad we're not royals. Are, no kidding, and you will be too after you, you listen. These are not happy tales. I think we all we all think of you know the fairy tale. No, it's, it's no, not the fairy tale. it's never it's, the fairy tale. It it is. I'm, I'm gonna laugh. Megan Markle, you can always come home. Duty, it's duty, but not Chandler being kind of duty. Just. Legit, straight up duty, and if you take, God, that sounds so bad. If you take it or if you don't, because we have a story this week of duty absconded, duty abdicated. (laughs) You'll you'll get it right. Absconded and abdicated. (laughs) Anyway, this week we're bringing bringing you the hot trashy divorces of Charles and Diana, probably the world's most famous trashy divorce, like in in recent memory. It's pretty famous. Yours, though, goes back a generation. And it wow. does. Uh, to the greatest love story of the 20th century, which that you think you know. Has never been told, it turns out. Yeah. It's Edward VIII abdicating, not absconding. And I think it can be both. It can be both. His throne for the twice divorced American woman, Wallace Simpson. Do you know what royalty absconds? Honeybee queens. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. They can abscond. He got all kinds of news today. Huh? Wallace and Ernest Simpson, which was the divorce that had to happen for the greatest love affair, or was it? Or was it? God, it wasn't. Spoiler. So now we're drinking more, and we're going to edit this Oh, shiz. my God. Hey, we appreciate you guys so, and lady, like, whatever. I'm sorry, I'm throwing folks. gendered words. We appreciate you folks so much. We really do. We have had a lot of... Uh, fun downloads and you guys are listening and we appreciate it all over the world too we have apologies to our uk i may say some things about people in the uk i think we apologize a few times their language uk we love your gin we love your randy men and your pony boys ish i loved the food in the uk which i think people don't tend to say about england but i love oh we have a favorite place in london which is right outside of windsor castle Yes. We went to visit there. Sure. And our friend picks us up from the airport with his rambunctious six-year-old. Took us to... Um, and we're jet-lagged. Bell and the Dragon uh, in Windsor. Right well, the most miraculous thing was we drive up in this parking deck and get out. And like he's like, oh, yeah, we'll just go to Windsor for lunch. And we walk out through all these little shops and there's fucking Windsor Castle. And he's like, yeah, we'll just go down to this pub. It's cool. It's sitting right on the Thames. There are ducks. This pub has been around. There were swans, and they were the queen's <sighs> swans. And uh, people were feeding them, which is apparently a violation of the law, but it's not enforced. I had fish and chips. 
They were delicious. Yeah, Belle and the Dragon. Uh, next time we're overseas, we're going. Hey, back. England, you're doing it right. It's been there since. Oh well, I don't. I don't no, know. It's the, like five hundred years or the, something the, crazy. The building has mm-hmm. been a restaurant. Yeah, since like the fourteen hundreds or something. I don't know that it was Belle and the Dragon for that long. But now here's the Belle and the Dragon secret shout out. Anyway, not what we came to tell you about. <laughs> thanks uh, for indulging. Do you want to say hey, thanks everybody for liking and rating and reviewing yeah we have some stickers to send out we've gotten some fantastic reviews on itunes so the carol sisters virginia podcaster binger va podcast binger yeah Yeah. Uh, we we don't know laura rebecca mechadonzilla we want to know about you who are you let us send us an email to trashy divorces at gmail.com Give us your address. We're, I promise we're not stalkers. We're not Edward VIII. And we will send you some fun Trashy Divorces stickers. Thank you for your great reviews. Yeah, we appreciate it. And if you guys like, rate, and review us and send a review, take a picture of it and send it to us at Trashy Divorces at Gmail. I we'll l- send you stickers too. I can't tell you how thrilling it is to see that like people are leaving us positive review. Like, oh, It's so much fun. We're making something people like. It's really nice. You it's like really us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, go uh, ahead and get a glass of wine Yeah, now seriously. Poor, because poor Because these are some great stories. Oh, my God. Lucky number seven is... In the bag. In the bag and unexpected. All Here right. Here we go. Let's do this. Enjoy. Woo! Hey, Stacy. Hey, Alicia. How you doing? Oh, good. I'm so excited about this week. I know you're so excited. I know I'm you, so excited I know about this This week. is so, like, this is so, this is so far up your alley that you're going to need to call the police and report a trespasser. What? This is, um, <laughs> you're so. You're funny joker today. I've got one I think you're going to really, really like. Talk to me. This is one, I mean, this is one of the most famous trashy divorces, trashy marriages, weird. This is Prince Charles. <sighs> And the Princess of Wales, Lady Diana Spencer. Spencer. Yes, yes, it is. Let's do this. I'm so excited. Oh my God! So we're go, gonna go, go. we're gonna start with Diana. This is like to be clear. Nobody behaved great in this wed- in this marriage, but like I don't feel like there are a lot of villains. I just feel like there are a lot of people in a really fucked up life circumstance. No villains, no heroes. Yeah, just yeah, just well, human I, beings trying to do the best they can to get by. Yeah, and yeah. also Diana's kind of a hero. <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty badass she's pretty badass. pretty badass um okay diana spencer and the spencers are old school british nobility old like old school yeah their british peerage goes back a while yeah so she was born in july of 1961 into a british noble family she was the youngest daughter this whole country hello uk listeners this is a whole country of people who can't spell things the way they're pronounced by the way by the way, UK listeners, would you like to apologize to our UK listeners now the, before the, we do this story? The Viscount and the uh, who sh- who should be apologizing? I believe it's the British who can't spell. Hey, the in Viscount... my Henry VIII story, I said dynasty. I did all the proper pronunciations. You you did Viscount and the Viscountess Althorpe, or perhaps Althorpe. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Althorpe. Anyway, when Diana was 14, her father inherited the title Earl Spencer, and she became Lady Diana Spencer, and this is not how meritocracy works. I I mean, that would make you feel pretty fancy when you're 14 (laughs) to be a lady. I don't think it would, because here's the deal. Um, 
Actually, well, let me, all right. Don't want to jump ahead. When she was young, the family lived at Park House in Sandringham, Norfolk. Okay. I'm sure I'm saying everything No, you're wrong. doing this. This is all great. This is uh, sort of near the beach north of London. I mm-hmm. had to look it up on, on a map because I don't know where anything is. Uh, and the royal family holidayed, holidayed nearby at Sandringham House. Sure. And so Diana and her siblings uh, played with Prince Andrew and Prince Edward. They were right around her age, born in 1960 and 1964. So some pretty cool playmates. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rarefied circle. It's a rare. It's, it is a rarefied life. It is just, it's tough to picture like, okay, kids, go out and play. I see the princes are over there. Like, why don't you go kick a ball around with, with the princelings or Have whatever. Have fun with the princess storm in the castle, kids. Yeah. So in 1967, uh, Diana's parents separated and then divorced, right? And I I think I read somewhere that, like, her mother ran off with another fella. I'm not sure. So Diana lived in London with her mom during the separation. Okay. She goes to see her dad back at Park House for Christmas. Just a visit? Just a visit. Where are my presents, yo? Yup. Yup. Let's unwrap some stuff. Dude doesn't let her go back. What? Dad's like, you're mine. You're not going back. He kidnaps he, her? He basically kidnapped his daughter. Yeah. For how long? For like, until she was old enough to move out. Like he, he went to court and like, got he's, he's the Earl, he's Earl Spencer. So got the. Uh, so like, he, he goes to court he, and gets he custody. He back and gets custody. What does Diana do during this? Like, she's see him mom. Living with dad. <laughs> like she moves to London eventually. Oh my God. I did not know that. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. And then it gets worse. Like, oh, good. We'll just wait. Yeah, so so basically, yeah, dad kidnaps his youngest daughter. Oh, my God. Well, she has siblings, too. Did he kidnap them? I think, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Because while they are famous... I don't know the answer to that. No, this makes my brain speculate wildly. I'm also not like sure if of their age. Like, if concerned about keep... Well, no, she's got a wide... Like, four siblings in a wide range. I think her brother's a little younger. I think he's younger, yeah, because there but was like, a... like, if you didn't fight for all kids and just fought for the right. teenage daughter... Right. That's weird. Yeah, potentially... Okay, something be. to investigate on a future Patreon episode one day. Yeah. Make yeah. a note. Okay, so in 1976... I'm sorry, I haven't even put my tinfoil hat on yet. Go go ahead. Okay, so 67, the parents separate and divorce. In 76, sure. he remarries a woman named uh, Rain McCorkwadale. McCorkadale? Okay. I don't know. The Countess of Dartmouth. Oh, of the, course she's a the countess. The countess. I'm, I said it wrong. The countess of Dartmouth. I'm sure it's not Dartmouth. Uh, she, I believe uh, you referred to her as acid rain That's when we what were I, talking yeah, about. Um, she right. was apparently as a stepmother, not a hit. Yeah, not. Not with a the hit. kids, and they uh, nicknamed her acid rain, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. They, and she's rain with two N's, is that right? No, it's rain is, with an E on the end. Oh, ends. with an E on the end. Yeah. There you go. Um, so it could be... Anyway, it's rain. It's fine. It's rain. Spoiler. And this is how much rain did not make a good impression on anyone in her new spouse's household. Okay. When Diana's father died in 1992. 
yeah. Rain, who was the Dowager Countess, which sure. American audiences will know from yeah. Downton Abbey. Uh, she took off. She just left because Splitsville. all of her Ghosted. stepchildren hated her. So Really? So she's out. And Diana, who at that point was the Princess of Wales, calls like the Althorpe house or whatever and orders the household staff to unpack all of her clothes because she had packed everything into Spencer family suitcases with the Spencer emblem. Nobody, nope. So Diana calls him up and is oh like, Oh my God. Hey, Althorpe employees gonna need you to empty those suitcases and put them away and you're just gonna stuff all of her shit into black trash bags and that is that you are kidding so there you go stepmom cold have some hefties (laughs) yeah so holy crap yeah so in 1990 uh, in 19 that's a trashy super trashy death legit trashy wow uh, in 1977, All pun intended. <laughs> uh, Prince Charles okay. meets Diana because he was dating her older sister, right. the lady Sarah Spencer. That relationship actually for a minute seemed to be going somewhere and they went to like a Swiss ski resort for a weekend. Oh. And then something weird. So Sarah has lunch with a reporter friend. Okay. Things not to do. Like, I don't even know how this is. So, this would not happen today for Sarah obvious. Sarah has lunch with a reporter friend after the Swiss weekend. Mm-hmm. She's oh, been dating Charles no, for a no, while. Sarah, Sarah. Goes out to Sarah lunch girl. with a reporter from The Mirror. Mm-mm. And she just happened to mention that she would not marry Charles, quote, if he were the dustman or the king of England. Oh. Weirdly, that phrase ended up printed in a newspaper. And oh, weirdly... God. Charles can read. So that oh. that ended. Well, I mean he's okay. I I think <laughs> let me grab a drink of my can. No, have wine. a have a severe canned wine. Um everyone dated Charles. Like he was a oh, super he... eligible bachelor. It was like I was at Woodstock. Of course I had a date with the prince. Like Right, right, no. He He was very out there with all sorts of Sorty sort sorts. Everyone he could get his little Ex- paws on, honestly. Exactly. Which is part of why this story... I can't hear the word pause without thinking about the good place now and Cheedy and the uh, chicks, the peeps, and the chili paws. Dig your paws on in my peep chili. Sorry. It, All right. No, everything is... The, the word pause ruined for me. The, I think that the good place is a wonderful contrast to this podcast. It really is. <laughs> um, so... Charles and Sarah break up. Well, yeah. But, like, he's met Diana, who was 16 and therefore too young, you know. Sure. Well, being uh, held when, hostage in her father's home. And being held hostage by the Jeez. Earl Spencer. <laughs> I don't God. even know. Anyway. Oh, so, oh, oh. in 1980, they meet again. And at this point, Charles is 13 years older. Okay. Uh, so, at this point, they begin... Daddy. Charles has apparently decided that at the age of 30, like, it's time for him to look at settling down, maybe have a few princes, whatever. Sure. Diana's other sister, Lady Jane Fellows, Lady Jane Spencer, before she married uh, Mr. Fellows, Robert Fellows, played a role in this. So Jane had married the assistant private secretary to Queen Elizabeth II in 1978. Diana was a bridesmaid. Indeed. And in 1980, Jane and Robert were going to hop off to Balmoral, the Scottish castle. Sure. 
for like just for a getaway i guess house like royal staff okay. has that option and charles was going to be there as well so they were like hey diana hop in the back we of the car in the back yeah we'll hop on up to Belmore. i'm sure Ride that's how they spoke as well I this, just realized after I said that how bad of a thing that was to say. Oh, terrible. Sorry. That was terrible. I, I didn't even hear it either. But uh, yeah, no, terrible thing to say. Don't, don't, no more of that. So this was the weekend that the press learned that Charles and Diana were dating. Okay. And so this was when the press began stalking Diana. Her. Aggressively. And she's a kid. I mean, yeah. she's a kid. She's 18 or something. She's. Yep. Let me ask you a question because I don't want to bust this if you're going to cover it. But do you know why Charles began showing interest in her at that time? Specifically, mm-hmm. I don't. Do you? I do. Okay, tell so me. So it lends a little bit to the story. Please. Previous to this, because he was like eligible bachelor and everybody dated him. The love of his life, who I'm sure you're going to talk about. Sure am. She of the she of the flower, Camilla. Uh, Camilla and Charles were a thing Mm -hmm. for a number of years before Mm -hmm. that. And she sort of put it on the line for him. Like, dude, I'm like, I I don't know why she was unacceptable, but she was unacceptable. So she went off and married, uh, Park Bowles. Right. Andrew. And I um, I do cover all of this. Oh, okay. But like he came (laughs) after, like, he was so devastated by that, that that's when he kind of decided like. All right. So I don't know if it was a rebound thing, if it was a revenge thing, if he had to do his duty, continue on with your story. I don't want to. Thanks. Go. Thanks. Go. In February of 1981, Buckingham Palace announces the engagement (sighs) of Charles and Diana. She was 19 years old. He was 32. Jesus. She was a kindergarten teacher at the time. She had finally, like, gotten out of her dad's house, moved to London. She had, like... Couldn't afford a slip. She was living with with a bunch of female friends. They were having a great time. Like this was probably oh, yeah. the only time in her life that she was actually happy. She, yeah, it was. And the, then it was the scene. And then Charles comes along and ruins everything. So in July of that year, Diana turns twenty, mm. and also transmutes into the Princess of Wales. Through a marriage to her new husband, the Prince of Wales. <sighs> I mean, think about this. Charles had been the Prince of Wales since 1958, mm-hmm. like before she was even born. Yeah. The UK and the world went completely Man, bonkers about the fairy tale wedding of Charles and Diana. Uh, Charles's sister, Princess Anne, had married in 1973. But this was the first wedding of a future monarch since his mother's wedding in 1947. And it was the first time in more than three centuries that an English woman had married the first in line to the throne. It was Anne someone. Really? Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, but I've never thought about it that way. Right. I was surprised to. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it's all the the treaty marriages or or whatever. Uh, 600,000 people turned out along the route to St. Paul's Cathedral to see them. 750 million people around the world tuned in. I did. I think my mom did. I was there. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, not there, there, but. No, I was in Anniston, Alabama, tuning in, <laughs> watching it. No, I, I was here. Me. I think I was here then. In November 
Buckingham Palace announces that Diana is pregnant. Doing the duty. When she was about 12 weeks along in January, she and Charles were fighting and things were really not as fairy tale as everyone oh, wanted no. them to be. She threw herself down a flight of stairs uh, while pregnant. Well, like that's one way to get attention. Had to race to get a doctor and like just it was, it was bad. Uh, but Prince William was born uninjured in June. Okay. Prince Harry was born a little over two years later, September sure. of 84. And Diana later said that uh, her relationship with Charles was at its strongest during the uh, pregnancy with Harry. stage. Sure. Well, just specifically with Harry. I'm not, I'm not really sure why, but I guess they were just together a lot during that time. And Well, I mean, Charles has to feel, be feeling pretty good. He's got an heir and a spare. Right. Things are, well, he wanted things a, are good. Well, he wanted a girl. Oh. And he was actually upset. Disappointed? Well, that's the first time. He's such a weird dude. He was upset. Well, he was... I mean, good for Charles. That's great. He was doubly upset because he wanted a girl and Harry was a boy. And Harry had all of the Spencer red hair. Like, he was a ginger. Sure. He was so Charles... Yeah, Charles was unimpressed. <laughs> I think that's changed. I, I think he's been a good dad. Like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure. trying... Yeah, I'm just... Well, he really got put in a situation where he had to step up. Whether he wanted to be a good dad or not, like, yeah. it's... This is on you now. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he 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 did always want to be a good dad. He maybe just, but yes, circumstances. But I mean, can you imagine being in the rarefied world that you are a, you know that you're going to be the king of England from the second that you have awareness of what your day-to-day fucking life is like? Like that is a really. I really can't. Interesting psyche um, to, I and you don't have anyone to identify with except maybe a parent who's doing the job, but you've got nannies. You see that parent for 45 minutes a day in tea time. You know? Well, he was apparently quite close to the Lord Mountbatten, his great yeah. uncle. Yeah, who set up Elizabeth and Philip. Who, it is thought, Mountbatten wanted Charles to court his granddaughter instead of not mm-hmm. instead of well certainly instead uh, of camilla sure okay let's jump back oh in. okay back so, in okay so to reiterate charles was 13 years older than diana okay. and had lived years of an adult life before he began courting his teenaged bride-to-be Playboy. in 1970 or 71 when diana was literally a child charles had dated a woman named camilla shand Mm-hmm. But they broke up when Charles left for overseas duty with the Royal Navy in 1973. Later that year, uh, here we go. Camilla married Andrew Parker Bowles yeah. and became Camilla Parker Bowles, correct? Whom you've probably heard of on this podcast already. <laughs> so there are a ton of theories as to why Charles and Camilla broke up, from like palace intrigue stuff about talk to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mountbatten wanting so yeah Mountbatten potentially sent Charles overseas gave him duty to do overseas so that he might marry his granddaughter yeah the queen it is thought may have wanted Charles to marry a Spencer girl because she was close friends with the lady Fermoy their grandmother yeah Others say maybe Charles hey, just play bridge and like corgis or BFF. Yeah, I mean Charles maybe just wanted to be older. He apparently got weird advice from Great Uncle Lord Mountbatten. What advice did he get? It. I think it. I think it went something like, <clears throat> 
Charles. Charles. As the Prince of Wales. I, I really I can't do accents at all. Um, but I think the <coughs> is, is almost Charles. certainly certainly accurate. Charles. As the Prince of Wales. Basically, Mountbatten was like, look, dude, you're the future king of England. Brilliant. You're in you're in no hurry oh, to get tied down. So you go nail everything that walks near you. Which he did. Get it. Get it. Get it. Get yeah, it. he really did. Yeah. See, he was romantically linked with everyone who was anyone. He's and, Woodstock. He is the Woodstock of England. Yes. Um, and and his brothers were like ten years younger than. Yeah. So so he there was no competition. If yeah. you wanted if you wanted a prince, it was Charles was it free and easy. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently. So. But Mountbatten went on to say, however, when you do decide, <coughs> when you do decide to settle down, um, he told him to find a woman who was very, very young, who had not had these experiences, oh. who could easily be placed upon a pedestal and... and kept on the pedestal. Oh. And stories would not emerge about. Oh, scandal free. You need a young virgin who is scandal-free. Which is super gross. Which is like setting everyone in this story up for catastrophic failure. He apparently uh, was familiar with the 500 years of British peerage before that. And, yeah. You know, I mean, but... <sighs> so... Yeah. All right. So, yes, he was close to Mountbatten. When Charles learned that Camilla had become engaged to mm-hmm. Andrew Parker Bowles, he wrote to Mountbatten and said, I suppose the feeling of emptiness will pass eventually. I oh, know he was brokenhearted. Yeah, no, he was, yeah. He uh, loved her more than, lo- I- yeah. Well, and then in 79, um, <sighs> Mountbatten was killed by the Irish Republican Army. Exa- yeah. He was assassinated. And Charles and Camilla rekindled their romance with the approval oh. of Andrew, of her husband, because he was also having all sorts of fun affairs. Like, apparently they had a totally open marriage for years. Really? Well, because there's a thing about the British peerage, is there is a lot uh-huh. of fuckery going yeah, on the, between married couples. Yeah, the rules don't apply. Which everybody knows about and no one talks about. Right. Like, okay, we're going to get adjoining bedrooms in the country house retreat this weekend at Sandringham. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a thing. No one talks about it. Yeah. But everybody knows... I didn't know that Andrew was in on that. He apparently I had no that is brand new information for right. me. Right. I think it I think it was fine until it became a public scandal. Oh. As long as it was a private As long as it was affair. quiet, nobody talked about it. Yeah. This country yeah. house fun. Grab your gun. And I mean I'm not sure like it maybe that he and Charles had known it like Charles was grieving. It's a yeah. And so there I'm sure Oh, go help him. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure there was I'm sure there was stuff to it, but it does sound like like Andrew and Camilla basically had an open marriage Interesting. until Camilla Gate happened. Those Brits are randy. They're randy. They're randy Brits. UK, we're we're on to you. We're rooting for you. <laughs> so obviously Charles marries Diana two years later after the death of uh, of Mountbatten. And so, later Charles would claim that he only got back with Camilla in in like the later eighties, I think. Like after about five years of marriage, yeah, lion liar. Thing, not, seems no, to be a no. lion liar. Yeah, when the marriage was irretrievably broken, that was that was his line later. But 
No, he took Camilla to meet Diana and get Camilla's approval for her before he proposed. Yeah, all this open marriaging thing, this was not how Diana rolled, apparently. Like, he had, he was just having an affair. How would you even have that experience in your head as a 19-year-old kindergarten teacher whose dad kidnapped? Your dad's... Like, but it's British nobility. I, I, mean, I guess. you. Yeah. Tricky. All right. Uh, so, it was pretty clear that, you know... Camilla was his true love and for um, always and forever. And Diana was was his duty as the future king of England. Always and forever. So by about 86, five years or so into the marriage, uh, Charles and Diana were pretty well done with each other. Yeah. So he gets back together with Camilla. I mean, that I'm air quoting here because it really does sound like they never, they never were not yeah. back together. Diana began having an affair with James Hewitt, who had been the riding instructor for the family. So, Pony Boy, I think you've called him. No, like Pony Boy, in whatever dynasty you happen to be in, Pony Boy gets all the action. I mean, you've got <laughs> Elizabeth I and the Earl of Leicester, right? Pony Boy, he was the guard of her horse. Oh, Catherine Howard, the guard of her horse before that, sure. Henry VIII. So, like, dude, Pony Boy. Oh, fuck, Catherine Swinford and the Tudor line and where it started when she married Owen Tudor. He was the fucking, like, pony boy, yo. I think, I think mastery of large mammals is inherently sexy. Pony boy. Pony boy. All right. Well, but you, if you're in charge of the, if you're the master of the horse, you're in charge of the games and the fun. And apparently British peerage does a lot of shit on horses. So. Well, and also to be clear, like, I don't want to shortchange James. He was like a retired British army he was he, like he was a no, military distinguished career yeah yeah like it, it's not just that he was like a horse guy <laughs> uh there was more to it hewitt is a is a ginger he's ginge he's a redhead he, he does have a little bit of the ginge and so there have always been, been rumors, rumors for years about harry but like according to hewitt according to the people close to diana like people who would know Harry was Harry alive like and Spencer, man. Yeah, Harry was alive and in the world, and you know, a baby before. So, so t like you'd need yeah. a TARDIS to make it happen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> also, James Hewitt is Doctor Who. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> the big reveal of trashy divorces. Anyway, bigger on the so the fifth Earl of Spencer back in the mid 19th century was known as the Red Earl because he had a long red beard. Like, it's, I... yeah, it, it, it's genetic. It's in their genes. Randy, I tell you. Randy, Randy, Randy. So while her married life left a lot to be desired, Diana threw herself into charity work and ultimately became one of the most beloved figures in the world and known in England as the People's Princess. I'm told. I, you know, I'm sitting over here in Atlanta, Georgia, USA, so... <clears throat> No, she shook up the monarchy. She really did. Like I mean, she, yeah, one of one of the, and this apparently upset the queen a bit, but she took a really early, like, public role in support of people with HIV yeah. and AIDS at a time it's when like eighty five, eighty six, huge. Yeah, at a time when they were, yeah, when just being treated horribly by the medical establishment because everyone was terrified, yeah. like no one understood the disease. You know, she was willing to like touch people who had aids and like hug people who like 
No, it was, that hospital visit where she visited an AIDS patient and yeah. held their hand was yep. international. I, I remember press. it. Yes, I remember that. Because you have an administration here in the U.S. with right. the Reagan administration who won't say the won't word, even say who the word. won't talk about it. Yeah, we've got hundreds of thousands of Americans dying from something that no, like we're not even naming it. So here's it was sure, sure. it was a big deal. Yeah, uh, it really, really was. And over the course of her life, she ended up opening um, like several centers, like in in the U.S. Even like in in the U.K. and in the U.S. Uh, as well as funding several groups to like do research. So she was like providing home, basically. Yeah, and service centers for people with HIV/AIDS, uh, and then funding research to fu- like. Anyway, she remains an icon in the gay community to this day. For good reason. For very good reason. She also, um, leprosy. Yeah. Which was a bigger deal then, but like the British interest in India and parts of the developing world meant that, you know, as the sun never sets. As the sun never sets. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. So it's, leprosy is known as Hansen's disease today. Um, and it's easily treated. And I'm not sure when there's so a bot, but a different joke going yeah, in my head. I know, which right? I'm not right. saying. <laughs> anyway, there's an episode of this podcast will kill you that deals with ah, okay. leprosy slash Hansen's disease, and I'm pretty sure it makes the point that only a very small subset of the population is susceptible to leprosy. Because she also freaked people out going to leper colonies and sure, you know, feeding the most people. Photographed and, woman in the world that yeah, she was yeah, she was an amazing Fearless. person. Um, but also not susceptible. And what's so funny is she lived with so much fear and like her public persona is so fearless. Yeah. Yeah. It's really an irony. Yeah. Um, and toward the end of her life, she, uh, had, she became a high profile advocate for, um, the, for landmines, Mm -hmm. for landmine removal or, or banning them. It's still, it's still a big deal. Um, cause apparently it's just a thing in the in the human condition that when a child comes upon something kickable they will kick it and if that thing happens to be a landmine that was forgotten on the field yeah in the best case that kid loses a leg yeah okay so she's having a miserable life although her two sons are great and she dotes on she's them a great mom takes them on travels with her allows mm-hmm. them to experience all kinds of things that princes normally wouldn't in the very archaic royal family um no, and, i'm shooting down the log water slide at the park like yeah yeah they got to have childhoods in a way that most other, royals did not yeah in 1992 the writer andrew morton published a book called diana yeah, her true story Ooh. which just outlined i mean Scandal. people just hadn't known how deeply unhappy she was but also like it wasn't just that the the royal family was not a great fit for her but she couldn't leave and go outside because the paparazzi was there yeah and she also couldn't go out and meet with andrew morton to uh, provide him with interviews so morton had to smuggle he had to write out his interview questions and smuggle them into kensington palace with a friend of diana's and a tape recorder. Oh my God! And the friend would read her the questions, and she would answer. And she just went like the tapes came out. I don't know 
some years after her death, like in the early 2000s. Yeah. And we're fascinating. Like, we'll we'll put that on the website. Um, it's a long thing. Uh, no, but they really, I, I guess I'd forgotten that part, that she's not even talking to her interviewer. Yeah. <laughs> she's, I know. She's, no, uh, but can you imagine your buddy comes over, like, with the list, you pop open a bottle of wine, and you're like, yeah. all right, here we go. Let's talk about but, it. But, I mean, like, in so many ways, she was literally a prisoner in prisoner. a gilded cage. Gilded cage. Yeah. That's exactly right. She's, like, in Kensington Palace... Can't leave. Stuff. Can't can't Mm-mm. talk to who she wants. Like Mm-mm. can't, and we will find out. Can't even make phone calls without those seemingly being intercepted by someone. Mm-mm. So Morton's book was seismic. It just no, it was a super big scandal. Yeah, it made. I think I have a copy like somewhere within this room. Believe it or not. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it made huge waves. It exposed like. Charles's affair with Camilla in particular became public. It also directly addressed Diana's mental health challenges. She had been suffering from bulimia from the time she became engaged to Charles. Sure. She did eventually get treatment for that. And I I think, I mean, this so sucks. By the time of her death, I think she was in a much better place with all that. (laughs) Oh, she was really thriving. Like her divorce from him, I think, really lifted her up. You see... And whatever night they made their first public appearance together and she shows up in that hot, sexy dress with the tiara as a headband looking like, psh, fuck you, motherfucker. Oh, the, the revenge dress? Yeah. I saw that picture. Uh, it's so good. Okay, so with the book, the royal family closed ranks as it does. As it does. And so the queen and Prince Philip, her husband, mm. not the king, the queen yeah, and Prince Philip. I'm not a fan of Philip. They sit down with Charles and Diana and attempt to walk them through negotiate a peace. reconciliation. Sure. To, to hey, guys, we've been married let's... miserably for 60 years. Can we give you a few hot takes on yeah. how to get through this? Yeah, let's save this marriage. Well, it, it didn't work. Okay. Did your mom ever subscribe to Ladies Home Journal? Like when you were young? I mean, I recall, I don't know if she subscribed, but there were certainly, I, I remember seeing it in the okay, house. my grandmother did. Mm-hmm. And there was an article that happened in Ladies Home Journal, Can This Marriage Be Saved? And I remember being obsessed with them when I was little, because my grandmother had like, whatever, 28 years of Ladies Home Journal sitting in her house. And that was always the article I would read. So they would tell you about Ted and Carol, and each had their side, and then you'd... I'm like six reading this shit. I haven't thought about that in 40 years, but something, yeah, can this marriage be saved? Let's talk to the Elizabeth and Philip about it. And it could not. Um, Ladies Home Journal represent you. Okay, so here's where things start to... Hilarious. Things have been bad and off the rails. And she has, on a number of occasions, like, but she's been cutting herself. She may have attempted suicide at least once. Like. good. It's been very bad. And then in 1992... Divorce the, can sometimes be a good thing. Yeah. The Sun newspaper published transcripts of phone calls between Diana and a close friend, uh, James Gilby, of the Gin Company. Oh, yeah, Gilby Gin. That certainly sounded like they were having an affair. The England, ins- we do like your gin. Yeah. We, and we like your pubs. Well. But also, we like that you invented tonic, because we don't like your gin. <laughs> we like... Like, Again, Stacey, I mm. don't know if you apologize to our our UK listeners before the episode. Making a note. Okay. The incident became known as Squidgy Gate because yeah. that was Gilby's nickname for Diana. Oh. 
And to this day, there, there, are, there are real questions about whether British intelligence was behind the, like, the capture of the phone calls and their leak to the Ooh. press, which routes back to um, Prince Philip, potentially. Like, there are a lot of question marks. That guy is a shady fucking Well, that's, cat. that's I think that is, is a shady fucking cat. I think that's the general agreement. Um, okay, let's talk about, like, no, my family's weirder than your family. Like, in December 1992, <laughs> okay. the Prime Minister of England, John Major, announces to the House of Commons that Charles and Diana have separated. Like, obviously, they are the sovereigns of a nation, and sure, it makes sense that the sure. government would inform itself of... But, like, how fucking weird is that? You think it's weird when you have to post your breakup on Facebook with yeah, all your mutual Right, friends. I know. You change your status on Facebook Let's and everybody's like, Let's go ahead like, and ah! give that to the prime minister. Oh my Jeez. God. In that rarefied world, man. Yeah. So the following year, um, Camilla Gates happens. Uh, this is an eight-minute recorded exchange Camilla of a... Camilla Gates is fucking gross. It was kind of gross. Of a phone call between Charles and Camilla that was completely tawdry... Okay, but I will say this, and I wanted to say it before we were talking about Charles. Uh huh. I don't think he has an ounce of toxic masculinity about him. Yeah, I wanted to say that before. Sure. Like, I it's weird being Prince since the first breath you've ever taken. It's a rarefied world, but he doesn't seem to me to be a um, misogynist or an abuser of women. In no. fact. If you want to be your girlfriend's tampon, you probably like women in a much better way without any toxic masculinity included. Yeah. There's a little point for Charles. Yeah. Camilla uh, Gate was gross. Camilla Gate was pretty gross. Was gross. Um, and the... It was gross. The British press has had subsequent, like, hacking scandals where of, like, cell phones. Sure. Um, there was a case where someone, like, a, a girl had died... And they got, they were somehow, there was something about sending text messages that the parents made the parents think the girl had not died. It was very, it was awful. Um, So this kind of thing is not like crazy out of the the realm of norm, but the fact that like the, the Royal family's calls were being intercepted, uh, like rightly concerned. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. That's Um, pretty in 1995, Diana sat for an interview with the BBC Current Affairs show Panorama, where sure. she got very real about Camilla, self-harm, depression, and much more. Okay, the Queen hates all of the shit that's happening here. Completely. And I think you mentioned Sarah and Andrew? Andrew separated in 96, even or divorced so, in 96. I think they separated three or four years before that. Yeah, so, so like, yeah, all of the kids marriages are falling apart it's very public it's very Mm -hmm. scandal plague there are sex scandals happening everywhere the queen is so mad oh and windsor castle catches on fire oh even that year (laughs) 92 like it's shitty it's yeah bad bad year um so anyway upon (laughs) can you can you do that in the microphone buddy come on hi emin emin want a cookie emin emin want a divorce (laughs) Okay, no, well, I got you. You can't come in here and do this shit. All right, so after this broadcast airs, uh, the Queen writes to Charles and Diana, who are separated. They've been separated for a few years. And the Queen tells them to get a fucking divorce already. Really? She's 
done. She is so not going to try to marriage save. marriage cannot be saved. Marriage cannot be saved. My reputation will take less of a hit if you guys just get this it, fucking it, over with. And Diana, shut your fucking mouth. Like, you're free. Woo! So. and I'm sure she probably did that, too. Woo! She probably did. Actually, this pissed her off, too. Diana's like, cool, cool. Let's sit down and negotiate terms. Sure. Charles is like, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I'm, Let's do this. Woo! Charles had no, Charles had no terms. Charles just wa- wanted out. Wanted out. Wanted, wanted to be with out. Camilla. The marriage was over. Didn't work. Had Camilla's marriage ended by then as well? They divorced, I think, in 95. Okay, so it's mm-hmm. dissolving at the same time. Right. Charles just wants his well, life back. And yes, uh, the life that he was never in charge of anyway, because sure. he's the future king of England. Like, this sucks. It sucks to be him. And I think uh, Camilla's ex-husband remarried a year later. So presumably he also had had, had a, some sort of longstanding. Sure. Yeah. So the separation lasted about four years in total. The divorce was finalized on August 28th of 1996. Uh, and Diana, really? Diana's a savvy negotiator. She received a lump sum payment of 17 million pounds. It's not a bad payday. Plus 400,000 pounds annually. Perfect. Title-wise, she lost Her Royal Highness. She lost HRH. Okay, so there's titles and styles, and I'm mm-hmm. probably getting this wrong, but, but for, like... For our American listeners who also don't understand how this works. So she lost her royal highness, but she retained Princess of Wales. Mm -hmm. And as the mother of the future King of England, she remained a member of the royal family. Which I don't think was probably the Queen's favorite thing, but whatever. Hey, you're the King's mother. Like, that's a different bond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Ferguson... Hey, don't get excited, y'all. I'm not doing it this week, but the story's mm-hmm. written. It's in it's in the future because I love the story. Did not get that same consideration. Right. She was kicked out of the royal family. She had girls, right? Well, and they weren't technically in line to, or or they are. Some, they're eighth and ninth. Yeah, there's some and tenth. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. So during the separation, uh, Diana had begun a relationship with a heart surgeon named Hasnat Khan. Yeah, she and did. the relationship went on for about two years. It seems like Khan ended it because Diana told friends how heartbroken she was when when he had ended it. Yeah. At, I don't know. So, again, she died a year after her divorce was finalized. Um, so when at the inquest, this heart surgeon spoke and said that she had been the one. to. So that's disputed. It's hard. It, it's not clear quite what happened. But a month after they broke up. She started seeing Dodi Fayyad, sure. son of uh, multi trillionaire, yeah, Mohammed Al Fayyad. And on August 31st of 97, Diana, Dodi, and their driver, Henri Paul, were killed in a car crash in a Paris tunnel. Mm-hmm. They were allegedly fleeing paparazzi at high speed, but there are also question marks around that because, weirdly, the tabloids in London like had gone to press before news that she had died broke. Mm-hmm. And the tabloids that day were cover. They were like hyping new squidgy gate tapes. They were going off on like how much like public oxygen Diana was consuming. Well, and he, like the month before she was on a boat with Dodie. So, right. and she would call the press like, Hey, we're going to be in the Cova Capri today and I'm going to have a bikini on. Right. Um, so 
like during this time, um, Charles, I, I don't know if he was on his first apology tour, whatever, but she was like, nah, I can take the press back. Dodie might have been a rebound guy from the heart doctor. Tin Hat don't like necessarily have a thought on how committed they are with each other. But Prince Philip hated him. Oh, well, and I, was horrified by the idea that Diana might end up with him. Hang tight, because I think Prince Philip hates his dad, because that comes back around again in my story. Yeah. But, like, she had been on a cruise the month before. Right. Sucking up oxygen of the world paparazzi with, right. oh, has he given her a ring? Um, okay, so it's it's long been conspiracy theorist rumored that prince philip ordered mi5 to take diana out <sighs> shady obviously cat. squidgy gate 2 or whatever that scandal would have been vanished sure upon her death like but partly because the entire country went into profound mourning it yes um and it was just i you weren't going to sell papers just publishing trash about diana mm-hmm. in the in the days after her death Yes, Andrew and Camilla Parker Bowles divorced in 95. And once Charles was divorced, he made it clear to his family that his relationship with Camilla was non-negotiable. I mean, he really does love her. He really does love her. and He really has loved her for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, And interestingly, I mean, I don't want to... Diana was a conventionally beautiful... Like, Diana had everything going for her. Camilla Parker Bowles perhaps is a little a little more plain. Sure. Apparently this drove Diana crazy during the marriage because she couldn't like figure it out. Yeah, but it's but it's because Charles loved Camilla yeah, in a way that he just you love you a lot. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um Well, because Charles is a real looker too, so it's unusual <laughs> to see two such stellar good looking people together. Sure, sure. Uh so Sorry, the family Chuck. was so like the, the royal family was just tired. Of having their name dragged through the mud. The queen was over it. Done. So I think the queen was just like, you know what? This marriage can't be saved. Do it. Charles and Camilla worked with a PR guy to try to rehabilitate their images over the next several years. Yeah, he went on his apology tour. And they, well, and they, like for several years, they were sort of openly in a relationship, but they were very discreet in how Mm -hmm. they handled public events. Their first public appearance, like together as a couple wasn't until 1999 and three in, years later yeah. yeah in 2000 she joined charles in scotland for like official you know royal uh, business sure so they really took they, they took it very slow getting like getting camilla on the public stage no they worked on their apology tour for a long time yeah he did. uh the queen invited camilla to her golden jubilee celebrations in 2002 oh that was nice and so this is sort of seen as like the the tacit approval of sure the relationship in 03 camilla moved into clarence house with charles and polls showed that the british public had become support like i mean what what are you gonna do the dude's in love she's in love with him they've been together for years they maybe shouldn't have been together during the marriage but they were like whatever what are you gonna do you know the public was all right the family had survived this tragic loss of his children's mother the monarchy had survived this very dark period which I think there were questions about whether it would endure at all. And Charles and Camilla finally were allowed to marry in a civil ceremony on April 5th, 2005 at the Windsor Guild Hall, which is around the, str- around the corner from Windsor, Windsor Castle. Castle. 
neither set of parents attended the wedding, mm-hmm. but Prince William and Camilla's son were there as witnesses. This is so fucked up. Okay, so Charles, aside from being king, will also be the supreme governor of the Church of England. Sure. When, if he ascends to the throne. Yeah. His mother may just live forever. I, we don't know. So to to be able to remarry in the Church of England sure. as the supreme governor of the Church of England, this poor dude had to get the approval of the Queen of England, who, you know, happened to be his mother. So that sure. makes it a little easier. Um, the government of the United Kingdom... And the Church of England itself. <laughs> Thank God we will never be royals. Um, Thank God. I, as trash cans go, you know, I I don't think this really tops a, a three. Really, like yeah, the, no villains are here. Like everybody yeah, has their own. The Diana self harm sucks. Like her unhappiness sucks. But I can't believe Charles was thrilled in, during the like. It just. They shouldn't have gotten they the family should have let him marry Charles Camilla. married Camilla in yeah. seventy five yeah. and just lived the life that he wanted to live. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Like, who cares if she's a little plain and smoked cigarettes at the time? Like that apparently the, that was what the Queen didn't like about her. Yeah, like, well, you know, it's little things. Yeah. You can be with anyone, so find a supermodel who doesn't smoke. <laughs> Pretty sure every supermodel smokes. <laughs> Well, that's their food. So not high on the garbage scale. High on the super trashy, though. It really was a scandal. It was a huge scandal. Um, and it, I mean, it like I have very clear memories of the night Diana died. Like I like I, of, I know of, where I was. Yeah, I mean, just super, super sad. So yeah, there it is. Okay. All right. Well, let's take a break. That was really. That was. I learned a lot of stuff in that. Cool. Holy cat. Cool. I'm glad you did. I didn't know about um, the kidnapping. Well, I mean, her father's a kidnapper. Uh, and then she kidnaps the suitcases back from her stepmother, Acid Rain. Dude, I'm putting her shit in trash bags. <laughs> that is awesome. That I mean, amazing. the term was bin liner, which I'm pretty sure in America is a trash bag. Is a trash bag. Cool, cool. And there's your homage to Charles and Diana. There All you right. go. Had to be done. Let's uh, take a break. We'll take a break. Email us with anything that I got wrong because I'm sure I'm sure I hadn't looked into this in years, and so you I'm sure fantastic. I got plenty that was wrong. awesome. Anyway, we'll take a break. We'll get these pets who've been adding all sorts of background noises uh, taken care of, and uh, and we'll be back soon. Hey, trash pandas! When you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island, from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Okay, Alicia. You ready? Our, our theme ready? is royals. So 
Who who do you have for us? I would never be royal. Yeah. Okay, today I bring you the trashy divorce mm-hmm. of Ernest and Wallace Simpson. Okay, give me some give me some context here. Who who are these people? Wallace Simpson is the twice divorced American that Henry VIII abdicated the throne for. Not Henry VIII. I'm sorry, Edward VIII. Good catch. <laughs> this is a very confusing. There was no America in 15 Sorry. whenever. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so Wallace Simpson. Today's podcast twice has been div- brought to you by cocktails. So, okay, I saw the king's speech. That is Edward VIII's brother. brother who assumes the throne. After he abdicated. But he was the spare and wasn't supposed to. Correct. And so then the famous British actor had to teach him how to talk. Correct. Cool. For World War II. There's going to be a lot in this story. I can already tell. You're going to love it. Okay. So the trashy divorce of Ernest and Wallace Simpson. This is her husband who she has to get divorced from. These are both Americans? Uh, Ernest is half American, half Brit. Okay. Okay. So this is the trashy divorce, Ernest and Wallace. Okay. Or is it? Or. I don't know if hmm. it's trashy or sad or tragic or where exactly the silver lining is, but here it goes. This is the tale of the original cage bird that does not get to escape. And this story is going to surprise you. I can't wait. So Wallace Warfield Simpson, also the Duchess of Windsor, has been portrayed as this scarlet woman or one half of the 20th century's greatest romance. She's vilified like she's an American seductress. Sure. We do that. But is this actually the saddest story that you've never heard let me tell you let me know let me begin the king who gave up his crown for the twice divorced american who was a scandal of christendom it's different than you think it's going to be december the 10th 1936 is the day that edward the eighth abdicates the throne He states in his radio address, it's very famous, like, I cannot assume this duty without the love and support of the woman I love. Well, and at at the time, because this came up with Charles remarrying Camilla, Uh I guess a reform happened after this in the Church of England. The head of the Church of England could not have, you can't marry a divorcee. He's the head of the Church of England. He can't marry a divorcee. Yes, he he could not be the, what is it, Supreme General of the Church of England or whatever that was. <laughs> Supreme governor. Head of the Church of England. Supreme Governor. I forget what Charles's title was going to be. Anyway, um, there are twists in this story. A few years ago, there's a secret cache of letters. Fifteen letters are found. Written between Wallace and Ernest, the man that she is divorcing so she can marry Edward VIII. She's still writing secret letters of love two years after marrying the king to Ernest. Like, are you ready to hear the story? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's unexpected. Bessie Wallace Warfield is an American born in 1896. Her childhood was not great, and I think in a way guided some of the decisions she made later. Like, it's hard scrabble, but it's hard scrabble in rich people's houses. So she's born into a lot of money. Her father dies. Her mother's sort of dependent on rich relatives, Uncle Saul. Um, 
Her mother eventually remarries and lives a pretty good life with a rich new stepdad. She goes to a fancy school, Old Fields. He dies and the trust ends with him. So mom is back on hard scrabble luck with her rich relatives. Wallace uh, wants to come out because that's her Warfield name. Like she's got a hard scrabble, but a really good name. Uncle Saul's like, all right, I guess I'll give you your Deb. I was going to say, come out as a Deb, not come out as a lesbian. No, come out as a debutante. Different times. Which she does uh, in Baltimore. She's really seeking security, and she does it, I think, through men. So she gets out of her Baltimore home. She marries a guy named Wynn Spencer, who on the surface looks a lot better than he is. He's a naval aviator. She marries at 19. She separates... From him because he's kind of a louse. Like, he's abusive in a number of different ways, and it's a crap marriage. So she's like, Yeah, okay, I know it's a scandal, but I'm done. And then she meets Ernest Simpson. She sets her cap. What what year is this, this roughly? This is uh, 1927, okay, 1928. So, yeah, very unusual for a woman to divorce. Correct. Yeah. Both Ernest and his wife are separated. Um, they, she really loves him. He is a half American, half English. He fought for British for the British in World War One. He's totally a nice dude. He's super kind. They both do get divorced in 1928. They're married. She really likes him. She's fond of him. He's kind. Like this is sort He's of the good dude fulfillment of uh, something in her, and they are really very happily married for a number of years. Then they decide to move to London. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Um, hmm. They buy a flat and the two of them set out to climb society. It is their goal to make their name in London society, which is going to be that British peerage and right. that, you know, right. what you've talked about. Sure. Rubbing elbows with the Spencers. Wallace, through a mutual friend, connects with Thelma Furness who uh, is currently the mistress of Edward VIII. She's married. Thelma Furness is also the maternal aunt of Gloria Vanderbilt, who may feature in a future episode because there's some trashy divorces there. Edward VIII is a dashing prince. Um, The British public loves him. I mean, he's like Charles... Born being a prince since the day you were born. Right. Is he king yet? Is it like, is he Edward VIII yet or? No, his okay. father He's still is a prince. Okay. still uh, in charge. And, but he goes on world tours and shakes hands till his face, or sure, not face turns his, blue, his hand sure. turns blue. And anyway, he is um, frivolous. He's irresponsible. Wallace and Ed Ernest get invited by Thelma's sister to a country house party in January of 1931. And there's Edward VIII. And Edward VIII likes talking to Wallace. He's very taken by sure. America and thinks she's kind of sassy. And she's apparently a brilliant conversationalist where he is sort of a, I mean, we're going to get to that. He's kind of a dud. Like, uh, Cecil Barton, I think, said of her, she always returned the ball. She always, like, she was a, like, nice, nice well, she's phrased. sharp. She's yeah. wit. You know, she's, you really can. Mm-hmm. She's an unusual woman in an interesting time. 
Well, Wallace ends up like it's it's so crazy because she's kind of there, but he's fucking Thelma Furness, and it's fine. That's what apparently monarchy does is right. has affairs with married women, right? And everybody knows about it. Nobody talks about it. And I bet the presumption was that uh, an American, and particularly a divorced American, perhaps had some uh, some. Perhaps her morality was very in line with the peerage's morality. Well, but it, not yet. So they're. No, I'm fine. just saying Nobody's... like that. That may have been the assumption. Yeah. Uh... She and Ernest Wallace and Ernest chatted up at a number of different country parties, and in 1934, Thelma Furness has to head on over to America, and says, "Hey, Wallace, I got a big favor to ask you. You, do you mind looking after my little man?" Oh no. Oh, no. Wallace even writes to her aunt about this. No. Says, like, this is hilarious. I am at comedic relief. Thelma's going to come back. Like, it's fine. But this is where I've been and who I've seen. Babysitting the future king of England. It's very fun. Well, by the time Thelma comes back, they all have lunch together. And Wallace does something with his lettuce. And Thelma instantly knows, like, Mm. oh, she is no longer... The prince's girl, Wallace's. Uh, Wallace breaks, or I'm sorry, Edward breaks it off with all, because he's got not just Thelma Furness, but a few other married right. women, you know, mistresses. Right. He breaks all of them off. Edward invites Wallace to join a holiday party in the south of France on the boat. So there's Wallace. There's Ernest. Like, everybody's cool at the end of this trip. Is it the Royal Yacht Britannia? No. Okay. This is secret. Like, this is uh, not... Okay. okay. This is his... This is private boat? Private boat. Uh, at the end of that trip, Edward slips a Cartier diamond and sapphire charm around her, you know. She ends up starting to accumulate a fortune in precious stones and just put a pin in that because it's going to come back around. Okay. Actually, on this trip, <sighs> Ernest is back in the flat, back in London. She's writing to him like she's been in Peter Pan's Neverland. Um, it, and he's doing great from this. Uh, the Edward VIII, Prince of Wales, has a special tweed woven for him, and he gives the leftover tweed to Ernest. Uh, Edward opens the door for him to join the Masonic Lodge. Gives them entree to all of his rich friends. Like Wallace and Ernest are playing as a team for their own enjoyment and profit. Trying to climb the society in London. Like he knows he's a cuckold, but they are a cuckold couple mm-hmm. with a purpose right. to set their, like this is all a plan. Uh, like for mistresses, there are rules and the husband needs to be in on it, right? Married ladies or who you fuck. Everybody knows what's up. Everybody gets adjoining rooms. The husband is the cover. Appearance means more than anything. People did the same with Camilla. Wallace understands the nature of this game, and she is fully convinced she's going to ride this wave out of largesse and entree, and Edward's going to be taken by a newer, younger model, right? Like, she's almost 40. She's middle fucking age. She's on the shelf in America. Right. And thinks, she's going to get it while you can. Yeah. I'm going to play the game while I can. Yeah. Ernest even writes to his mom about how all of this is happening, where they're going. Like, they are really 
Like you don't hear about this. You hear the king leaving the throne for the woman he loves, and it's the greatest love story of right, all time. Right, right. Sacrifice. Nah, they're and blah blah blah. Playing a played a fucking game. Right. So in 1935, Edward really starts showing extraordinary attention to Wallace. Like something flips in his brain. Love letters that are just simply embarrassing, infantile. A boy loves a girl, and it's all very. Like it's six-year-olds writing to like it is weird and when will we be one and this is when they adopt what he calls the royal we because she's wallace and he's edward so if you put them together it's very clever the royal we so she responds appropriately like i'm not going to stop this attention from you but he is blinded by the wallace he's nuts he thought she was the most supreme woman that ever existed. She's witty and intelligent. And she also treats him with sort of a disrespect that no English girl would ever do. Like, she's a... a, that, a like, yeah, on. that must be exciting, though. It's For him, yeah. it is apparently his... Um, I can't keep my penis in my pants titillation point. Wallace doesn't care. As long as she's riding high, the worse she behaves... And, and she starts to, the more he wants her. Like, it is all fucked. She's like, okay, now this is getting weird. Let me do some, oh no, it's obsession. <sighs> okay. In 1935, he invites her again on summer holiday on his boat, touring around the south of France. By that time, Wallace is running the show on the boat. She's sending bossy notes to him. This is the longest holiday period of separation from Ernest. And he ends up going back to America and visiting her Aunt Bessie. Ernest says to Bessie, like, this game is done. Like, I'm, I'm, this has got to end. Like, things are shifting and it's not cool. I was fine playing the game, but now it's become something very different than what it is. Wallace, in feeling so bad for poor Ernest... Back from her days at Oldfields, uh, right. from her boarding school days, she was friends with this really sweet gal named Mary Kirk. No. Who's in New York. And she's like, Ernest, no. you're in New York. My friend Mary Kirk's in New York. Hey, Mary. No. Can you keep my little <laughs> my man God. occupied? Oh, my God. Right? It all comes back around. So it, she calls Mary Kirk. Can you keep, you know, can you entertain him? And believe it or not, Mary and Ernest get along pretty well. And uh, when Wallace returns back on his boat, they meet back up and begin their affair. So imagine Wallace is cavorting with the future king of England and France. Her husband is overseas having an affair with her friend that she's like, hey, could you like play bridge with him and make sure he's not lonely? All of this has gone like it has spiraled out of their control. It's gone way too far. Yeah. So here's where the universe steps in and shakes it up. In January of 1936, George V dies. That's Edward's That's father. Edward's dad, yeah. So Edward, the Prince of Wales, is now the king and the supreme head of the Church of England, which forbids marriage to a divorcee. Sure. So now he's stumped. He's been able to defer this choice, right, for a lot of years. Right. He's now grown into – he's not in his 20s anymore. He is older. Like, there's a dynasty to consider. Um, Wallace is like – this is great. 
Woohoo! I'm done with him. Oh, oh done she with thinks him. she's finally free. He's, oh, okay. It's time for him to do his job. Right. A great. This is, yeah. th- I am nothing compared to the duty that he has. Sure, and your next brother stutters, so he can't possibly be king. Couldn't ever possibly. So she's excited, like, yeah, he's going to go do his job. But he gets crazier. He gets stalkier about her. Put Precious in the fucking basket. Stalkier. Um, he's unable to do anything without her there. His obsession becomes, like, 100%. He can't do shit without Wallace. So this is like in the crown yeah. where I haven't, Albert, yeah. the younger brother, and the queen mum before she's the queen mum are like, like, it's not like Wallace is being put in, because you don't say no to a you, you, to the king, king yeah. right? Yeah. So by spring, he's obsessed. He's talking marriage. Wow. Yeah. His adoration kind of puts her at the peak of society. I don't even know just what I said. Society. (laughs) Impossible. His adoration puts her at the peak of society. It's exciting. She's got a lot of access. But by this time, Ernest is done. This is spring of 37. Ernest is done. And Ernest goes to Edward, man to man. and says, I mean, all of this started back in 31. That's so, when they met. They started their affair in 34. So, yeah. So, this is... So, three yeah. years later. Mm-hmm. Like, once Wallace... Like, well, and the, and, the king, and the king wants to marry your wife, like... Well, Ernest goes to the king, and he's like, listen, um, are you going to marry her? And Edward says, do you think I would be king of England without her by my side? Oh, Jesus. Right? And Ernest is like, all right. Well, keep in mind he's doing his little sure he's dalliance got a thing on the, on the side, side, yeah. So, but do you blame him? I, I mean, I don't. No, you don't. So he agrees to a divorce. In May, uh, Mary Kirk, uh, Ernest's girlfriend, yeah, Ernest's girlfriend uh, invites herself to come on over and stay in the Simpson flat. Ah. Wallace is furious. Oh, is she? Yeah. So, accuses Mary of seducing Ernest. Like, you got a lot of damn gall to seduce my husband. Where does she find the time to be mad? When you're sitting on a boat with the... Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. South of France with the future king and current king and whatever. Mary and Wallace fight. Mary leaves. Never speaks to Wallace again. Good. Uh, at The fateful decision is made that she will submit to a divorce from Ernest to marry Edward, but like it is all like hands bound. Nobody wants to do this. She's 40. She thinks it's her last chance to achieve something like maybe she's queen Wallace, which is unthinkable, but Ernest being the good chap that he is agrees to start the way you get a divorce in England in those days, which is being caught at a hotel with someone who's not your wife. You have to produce evidence of adultery. Sure. Sure. So this is set up and planned this is my very favorite. Anytime I ever want to check in a hotel under an assumed name, I'm going to do it under this name because I love it. They find Ernest with Buttercup Kennedy. Oh, my God. Buttercup Kennedy, which later from Mary Kirk's diary is yes, Mary, Mary Kirk, Kirk, but Buttercup Kennedy. You know, fun fact. Um, Buttercup Kennedy. Huh? The, that was that remained like the standard for proving adultery in... The United States in the state of New York until I think 2010 really? is when they oh, reformed. Wow. But yeah, you like 
the divorce industry there was rife with fraud because pe- people would basically do that. They yeah. would, yeah, go to hotel rooms and take pictures of themselves with someone, not their wife. And Buttercup then, Kennedy. And then, like, give the wife the pictures to show in court so that they could get divorced. Best fucking poor <laughs> name ever. Terrible Buttercup okay. Kennedy. Okay. Buttercup Kennedy. So... Uh, Mary Kirk's secret diary is found, which she writes like Wallace is really manipulating and use like Wallace knows about this. Right. Like this is all. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. This is how you Mary do it. blames Wallace. Ernest blames Edward. Um, Like Ernest says they never had an unhappy moment until this. Like they really were. Yeah. The happiest couple in the world. Yeah. Team Simpson or whatever. Team Simpson. There's no alimony. The divorce is planned for October. Um, they're trying to keep this like collusion out of it because if they find out they've all colluded about right. how they're all arranging this. Right. And that's why the that fraud if, like, was rife. Yeah, exactly. Evidence of complicity it disallows the divorce. So Wallace, Jesus Christ, goes on a third summer holiday cruising on the Dalmatian <laughs> coast this time. And on the way home from this holiday, she stops in Paris where she happens to pick up a whole fat pack of letters from Aunt Bessie over in America, overflowing with press clippings from oh. America oh, and Europe no. about their fucking affair and how she's fucking the King of England oh, and my what God. the hell is going on. None of this has hit the British press. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. Like, this They're is keeping of 30, it. Like, none of it, or I'm sorry, summer of 36, none of this is in England. Right. The paparazzi are locked down by the royal family. Sure. But here comes Wallace and Paris. Oh, let me go visit my friend Cole fucking Porter. See some Cecil Barton. Like, it's going to be fun. I'll go to see Coco Chanel. Oh, shit. No, Aunt Bessie's pissed. Yeah. Aunt Bessie has sent her a fucking howler. With, <laughs> right? Paparazzi <laughs> clipping yeah. that she's been saving. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Holy crap. So, this is an enormous scandal. She writes to Edward, like, dude, I have to go back to Ernest. I get along with him. I want you to be happy. I can't make you happy, Edward. Tells him goodbye. She's done. She breaks it off. Edward is crushed. He wants to slit his throat. He can't contemplate living without her. There's no going back. Dude, he's creeper boy. Yeah. <sighs> um, There's no going back. Like, in poor Wallace, like, continues to try to... So in October, she moves to a rented house to await the divorce. Ernest moves out of their flat. He writes Wallace, like, this letter, like, I have no tears left. I I hope that you keep your flame burning for me. You know, all we've shared is so amazing. I hope God brings you back, but I'm done. Like, I get that I'm lost. She's been the king's mistress for two years, right? She writes him two days before the divorce that she doesn't understand. Um, she, it's herself, which is the cause of all the misery. And I'm so lonely and I'm so trapped. Like they're about to head to court to get divorced. And both of them are like, this is absolutely the worst thing that we have ever done, but we are being played by the puppet strings of the King's wishes. Yeah. So, I mean, he writes her back. Would your life have been the same had you broken it off? You're, you know, settling for this. And I, he really gets that she's got turmoil and an empty future in front of her and feels sorry for her. But he's done. 
Okay. They get the divorce. Yeah. She's rushed off to France because now that like the divorce decree takes a while to go through. But now that it's filed and done, Edward wants her. Edward wants Wallace out of the country. So he gets his chauffeur. Why? Just out of the, because the, now England knows about it. Okay. Now it's broken. Okay. And this is all any, it is every press. It is everything. Now she is a sensation in England and the press is too hot. Right. So because, because she's divorced and he's the king. And so. Twice divorced. Well, but, but like when she was married, I guess there was some. But now she's filing for divorce. She's not, yeah, she's not married anymore. She's filing to divorce as like, as it hits the press. Yeah. So the king sends his chauffeur to get her the fuck out of the country. The paparazzi's following her even then. Mm-hmm. She's got a blanket over her head in the back of the car. She ends up going off to France um, December 6th, so four days. Sorry, your dog is snoring on my lap. Bef- four days before the abdication. She talks to him and begs him not to abdicate. Like, do not do this. Stay king, man. It's cool. Like, you do not need to do this for me. It's fine. She sends a letter to the British government. Mrs. Simpson is not going to marry the king. Like, she is still, to this day, doing everything she can. Right. To save his kingship, right? Yeah. And the king's never going to let her go. And... Through this time, she really discovers that the man she's divorcing is the man that she really loves. But she's in Cannes, and she hears on the radio his abdication speech, and she weeps. Like, she's distraught. Like, you've got... Fuck. So he didn't run it by her. No. He just nope. did... Wow. Yeah. Grand gesture, or whatever. Divorce law says they can't be seen together for four months. Uh, the... King now, uh, he's abdicated. So, oh, he's the Duke of Windsor now. They created a title for him. Sure, sure. He goes to Austria. She's chilling in France. She's lonely. She's still writing to Ernest. Right. Like, regretting all of this. They call him Peter Pan. Like, he's a child. He's never going to grow up. Yeah. How is this? Anyway, the divorce decree comes through in late February. She moves from Cannes to the Loire Valley. Edward joins her May 12th, 1937. George is coronated, coronated, his brother. Sure's brother. Um, she's still writing to Ernest about this happening. June the 3rd, Edward and Wallace are finally married in France. No one from the royal family attended. Not even Louis Mountbatten. Charles. <laughs> uh, Cecil Beaton photographs. Uh, Wallace is in her what the color they call Wallace blue, which so, is really famous. Like, let me run this yeah, concept by you. It's just sad. It gets sadder from here. That generation of the royal family just like produced a fuckboy of an heir who, once he had any responsibility, figured out a way to avoid it. Kinda. Yeah. Cool. Well. Well played. Well, and I mean, this is the, and this is sort of the end, but it changes the face of the British monarchy. Yeah. Right? Because here comes Bertie, yeah. who's never been trained, who's the, I'm sitting in the back. Yeah, I can barely speak. But married to a very nice girl. And Definitely. And has two very nice kids. Yeah. And they do their royal thing as they do, but whoa, wait a minute. And now his daughter, I mean, it's Henry VIII and Alec, it's just, it's fascinating how this changes the monarchy. 
Wallace Simpson changes the monarchy in a breath of fresh air way. Like, it's his stupid decision. It's not her, but like right. the same way Diana did. They were both cataclysmic shifts. Yeah, I know. It in sounds the way like the monarchy worked. I mean, honestly, it sounds like this sucks for her. Like, she got stuck. Oh, get I mean, so the, suckier. The Hold dude's on. super rich, but he sounds worthless. Hold on. So they are married. Wallace Blue, like Cecil Beaton's there. They have some hangers on. Here's the saddest thing. Like, apropos to nothing, but they really love dogs, pugs and terriers, which they have. There's a favorite uh, terrier, Slipper, that was with Wallace all throughout the proceedings for the abdication, who ends up getting bitten by a viper oh, a few days before the ceremony and dies. So all the all Wallace remembers is being really sad and crying that the one, right? I didn't mean to make you cry about Slipper, but Slipper, the, Slipper. Like, this story sucks. This story sucks. So it doesn't suck for Ernest because Ernest really? is like, I, Ernest Simpson marries Mary Kirk in November of 1937. So they end up marrying and they stay Where do they make their home? Dies. Do they live in London or New York? I don't know. Okay. I'll we'll put it in Patreon. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I should. I guess I would not stay in London if, you know, well, I, if I American. were if I were part of I, a, causing a king to abdicate. I Yeah, it's probably probably pretty hot. Um even 2 years after she's married Edward, she's still writing to Ernest. About pride pushing her over the cliff. And oh, this is God, the and his Hold new on. wife must love this. Well, this is a, I, I, I can't imagine he showed this to Mary. I shan't write about it again. It is painful and it is too late. Wherever you are, you can be sure that never a day goes by without some hours thought of you and for you. And again in my evening prayers at night. With love, Wallace. This is the... I'm sorry. It's just like... It, She's so miserable. Is this a last letter that's like this? This is in 1938. It sort of closes the chapter. Okay. Mary's diagnosed with cancer. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, she dies at 45. Um, he marries again. and at, Ernest marries again. Right. And that marriage lasts until his death. When does he die? Do you know? Um, much later. Like He lived a very long and happy life with a very long fourth marriage. and Okay. Ernest comes out okay, but he and Wall because I know I know Wallace outlived Edward. Wallace does outlive Edward, but she never ended up with no with Ernest. No, she again. never married. Okay. Um, Wallace and Edward are together until Edward's death in May of 1972. So they, that's 30, that 30 40 yeah, years. No, yeah. They were married a very long time. They projected an image to the world that they were the absolutely most happy couple. Hmm. Uh, you, there's a interesting video I will post. Um, where they're on, um, meet the nation or like they're on something in the fifties and yeah. she's patting his hair. Like she is very much all about appearances, right? Hard scrabble kid living sure, in a rich house. Sure. Even when she dubbed, um, Uncle Saul wasn't going to front the money for a, a number of dresses. So they bought a handful of dresses and her mom would go home, rip them up and like re-sew them every night. So she had a different dress to appear at a function. Right, right. So um, appearance is everything. Wallace lives until 1989. Um, I'm sorry, 1987, I think. Um, out 
survives him by 14 years. Yeah. But her yeah. last 10 years were spent in their home in Paris. She was bedridden, like couldn't really talk, couldn't speak. Like, um, ah, like duty is the word of this story. And he, like you said, sort of absconded. His yeah, duty. no, he's bullshit. But her duty, she still stuck with him. And like, be careful what you wish for. You made your bed. He doted and depended on her, followed her around like a dog, seriously, until his death. And she was never obsessed by him. Like, her love was earnest and she got it. Like, is this the greatest love story that, like, we think the great love story is them. It's not. It's yeah. so sad. Earnest love might have been more rewarding. Um, So, you know, what does she throw it away for? Um, yeah, like some, the gilded- some fuck boy who... When the king sets his cat, it's Catherine Howard. It's Anne Boleyn. Like, it's Mary Carey. Like, when you're king, when the king's out for you. You know what? You don't say no. She's a fucking American. She could have said no. She didn't get on a fucking boat. Or at that point, I don't know about planes then, but she didn't get on a fucking boat and be done with him. She's okay. an American. We do it. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, no, UK listeners. I mean, it is. It's it's the saddest story. Um, so, well, it just sounds like he kind of sucks. Oh, no, he sucks so bad. Hold Although on. it does sound I, like they had a basically happy relation. I mean, no, they didn't. She was fairly miserable and he was fairly miserable. And I have some stories to tell you God. about what a dud she fucking married, which is why I think Charles and Camilla are perfect. They like to garden and yeah, ride horses. That's they exactly share it. the same boring fucking hobbies. Like yep. you guys, like, you're peas in a pod. Okay. So hold on. Let me. I became obsessed with this story at a very young age because my grandmother was one who thought that this was the greatest love, like sure. left his throne for right. the love of his life. Um, Dominic Dunn in his book, Mansions of Limbo writes about after the Duchess of Windsor passes away, her jewels being auctioned in 1987. This was a big fucking deal. It happens in Geneva. Sotheby's has this the is auction. Wall- this is Wallace Simpson. It's the Duchess of Wallace, Windsor. Wallace Simpson is they made the Duchess up, of Windsor. They made up oh, a Duke of Windsor. but she did not get the HRH title either. Sure. Like, Edward totally wanted her to be HRH, and they were like, but no. no. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, her jewels, because this is what's happened. Her jewels, he's given her jewels oh, every right, right. time. Oh, right, right. The Cartier. Take a pin out of the... Yeah, yeah. Um... The Flamingo pen, the Prince of Wales pen, like these jewels, there's a video of them. They are fucking magnificent. They are appraised for about $7 million and touted for about six months before the auction happens. And this, I think in 1987, really does change the conversation and where the myth gets created about their story. The Dominic Dunn story in Mansions of Limbo is amazing about this. This auction raises $50 million. It is like... On $7 million for the jewelry? It is an auction that stunned the world. Um, It gave Sotheby's enough to computerize and expand their operation. Hmm. So they're like a $2 billion. This is what... Okay. So it is... Scandal. There, uh, Elizabeth Taylor is bidding on the phone for the Prince of Wales brooch from California. Like, you don't even see half the bidders. Some of the royal family apparently bid on I'm these sure. jewels as well. I'm sure. Okay. So, again, apropos to nothing, like a slipper. I just find weird shit that I have to tell you. Um, the home they lived in in Paris 
is, so they, um, in the last years of their life, there's a home that is owned by the city of Paris that they end up renting. And it is, there's a video of it. I'll post to it. They take you on a tour through it all because Mohammed Al-Fayed bought it, yes, after the Duchess's death. Wow. Uh, Diana and Dodie actually went there the day before they died in Paris. It's one of the first places they stopped. Wow. Um, Because Mohammed Al-Fayed set it up as he lovingly restored every pant Every napkin, every pair of underwear, every tablecloth, every dish, everything in that home and set it up just the way they had it as a tribute to them. And this video is legit fascinating to look at and walk through and look at what mementos of a royal life you keep. Like there's a um, garbage can they used that you can tell it was given to Prince Edward from the Boy Scouts of some troop in the Madison Square Scouts in 1921, but it's like a pelted leather trash can that's still like it is a. There's an Andy Warhol print, um, Cecil Beaton art. Um, it, okay, I'm getting it, it's amazing. Um, Mohammed Al-Fayed buys this, restores it immaculately. It's set up as a tribute in 1988. Um, Eventually, he sells the possessions here and proceeds are donated after the death of his son and Diana to charities supported by his foundation for his son and charities supported by Diana. Mm-hmm. Um, in that same video, apparently, I bet you can't even guess, Edward VIII's lit exciting hobby, the king aimless with no purpose, fucking likes to embroider. There are all of his pillows where he spends all of his time I mean... embroidering. The word dud comes to mind. I mean, like, okay, and he says, like, this is the hobby. He doesn't think it would be great for people to know he has. Like, seriously, all of his stuff is there, his suits, his socks, 12,000 photos in the tub. Because in his bathroom, he doesn't use the tub, but he does use this very astute little weird shower. So why not use the tub to bring you joy for your 12,000 tiny little photos? Wait, you, you mean he just had a bathtub full of photos. photographs mm-hmm. yeah i mean spark joy man so i am certain wallace was thrilled with the dud that she married um her later letters very much have her describing being trapped with a useless man yeah really i'm and shocked the irony right it's her marriage to him that made him that way he wanted her and not the duty of being a king. And now he is unoccupied and miserable. Right. Idle rich. And his abdication changes the way the entire Windsor dynasty rolls out. The one. I mean, it's sad, right? I'm sorry. I'm going to let you react I mean, to the it... sad part of the story. But before I tell you where it comes back around again to Diana and you're going to like it. Okay. Uh, Wallace has no heir. They have no kids. So right, the well, Duke of Windsor title dies with sure. Edward. <laughs> um, I mean, fuck that. Who'd want it? He was, Bloom. he was a Nazi sympathizer too, right? <sighs> like, I, that's something I've always heard. Like, it, it's a once good thing. He, no, it's a good one, thing he bailed because... Once he got booted out of England, he did go on a trip to Germany. There are a number of different stories about this, which is not the point of Trashy Divorces. Sure. That's our alternate podcast. Sure tin foil hat fashionable and functional to conspiracy time sure um yes and no like his whole family's german they're the sax yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
the whole Windsor's a anyway not the <sighs> Wallace has no heir sure and Matra Blum is the woman who cares for her the last uh, years of her life and as Wallace has no heirs she suggests the Pasteur Institute is the place to leave her assets so after this auction of $50 million for all of her jewels from right. the gilded cage that the right. prince gave her. Uh, the Pasteur Institute in 1987 receives $45 million from that auction. And the Pasteur Institute is the leading French institution working on a cure for AIDS. Right, right. So right at the time, Diana is reaching out to make AIDS a thing. Here, Wallace comes back around in a secret surprise from history landing her millions with the Pasteur Institute, which actually does legitimately advance research. Right. No, I think, uh, the epidemic. I think for years, the Pasteur Institute and, uh, an American, I'm not sure. I, I assume it was a university, um, were in a dispute over who had first identified exactly right. the HIV virus. Um, like we found it. Let's just do something about it. Right. Who, who needs, a, we right. really, come on. Anyway, that's my sad story. Is I, it, Again, is it, it's not the story you think it is. No. uh, You hear this, oh, it's the greatest love story of the 20th century. And she did everything she could to be like, I'm out, man. I'm out. Well, no, and he was every bit the trash bag that Diana had her stepmother's clothes stuffed into. Like, Kinda. Yeah. I mean, and she's appearances. She rules his life. Like, she's making dinner menus. And they, like, they very much have a very efficient life that they do um but what a what a crappy gilded cage to live in yeah no it sounds like all all of this sounds terrible um so there's the story you didn't know behind the story you thought you did of the trashy divorce of wallace and ernest simpson Hmm. and another thing i learned in in all of this is that uh so dodi fayad yeah and his father, Muhammad Al-Fayyad, uh-huh. are related to Jamil Khashoggi. I think Dodi is... His cousin, right? Khashoggi's cousin. Yeah, this was the Washington Post journalist who was murdered by the Saudi government last year. Um, anyway, yeah, I think Muhammad's first wife was Khashoggi's aunt, mm-hmm. which makes Dodi his cousin. It's something... But I know you've got this sort of general view that there are like 12 or 15 families that secretly run the world. And um, I mean, I, I have to say my tin hat has been made by Coco Chanel because I'm pretty sure that Muhammad really wanted his son to marry Diana. Well, and I and wonder be the stepfather to the future king of England. Right. Because there's some. OK, like in your conspiracy thing with Diana, there is some merit to. I mean, the royal family really hates Muhammad Al-Fayyad. Right, and he's an Egyptian—he's an at, Egyptian businessman. Uh, but, but you look at ten years earlier. But he's he also buys like, all the possessions of your abdicated king. Yeah, the uncle who absconded and the mistress who set the world on fire. How did they let that happen? I don't know. Like that's pretty well because they figured all that stuff was coming up lock, stock, and barrel. Like it would get auctioned off like her jewels. And he came in and bought. The I was going to say, why lovingly restored it? Uh, yeah, they're richer than God. They they could have really, swooped in and taken all. And I'm yeah, surprised they didn't. I don't know. That's very. Um, we will never have the problems of royals, right? We... Because we're with Lord on this one. 
Um, yeah, we're just happy cats leave some furniture not ripped. Kind of. Kind of. That's why we don't have nice things. On a long enough timeline. Our cats are not well-behaved enough to be royal. Um, anyway, we okay. hope you enjoyed the trashy royal divorces that of was, Charles and Di. Like, not satisfied. So, I, I got that being royal sucks. That's my takeaway from today's episode. It is a rare today's episode that I think, unless, like, I don't know if I'd want it. Yeah, me either. Hmm. I'm good. Or even to be a hanger on. It's fine. I think especially to be a hanger. Like, no. No, but when you're gaming the system to find your own entree in and it ends up, boom. Yeah, it blew up in her destroying face. Destroying the happiest love you've ever had. Like, God, I. It's sad. It's the story. Like, it's the story you don't know. Yeah. Anyway. All um, right. Stay single. Yeah. Stay out of the king's way. Seriously, avoid royals. Jeez. If he's a king, just go. Just go. Hide in the corner. Mm -hmm. Find Pony Boy to fuck with. He's going to be way more mm -hmm. fun. <laughs> Actually, it seems like Pony Boys are important to royal families. Um, hey, but Pony Boys are the... Way more fun than fucking a dude who embroiders. Sorry for all men who embroider. I'm sure it's a fun hobby. You just gendered the fuck out of that i really did um all right well that's trashy divorces for this week uh thank god we'll never be royals uh what a mess i'll just keep driving cadillacs in my dreams yep do it do it talk to you next week with another trashy super divorces. Lit, trashy can on fire divorce <laughs> cheers y'all cheers bye and thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear want to advertise with us reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information and last but not least come play with us on social media i keep most of our trashy divorces instagram hopping stacy and i share it up over on facebook including our trashy divorces podcast discussion group come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening keep it trashy y'all